0: Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda Davis. I'm Linda Davis. Before we dive into God's word today, just a little about myself. I love Jesus, I love coffee, and I love sharing keys to abundant living. So, if you haven't already, go grab a cup of coffee and join me today as we talk about God burning bridges in our lives, Him wanting us to burn bridges in our lives. It kind of goes against man's concept, worldly concept, professional workplace concept. They say never burn a bridge, right? You want to keep that connection. You may need that connection. And and that's all true. And I'm not saying, and I don't think that the Lord's leading today that we burn everything behind us. But there are times in our lives where we have to eliminate any possibility of retreating back to the old self, the former person, the person that God's trying to pull us from so he can form us, mold us, right, create us, he's the potter, we're the clay, into what he originally anticipated us to be. And it's not always that when we're burning a bridge, right? If you if you picture a physical bridge, like what we have out there, right? The bridges are there. So picture it more so over a river versus just over like railroad tracks or a street, something like that. When it's over a vast mountain, you know, it connects two mountains or two high hills, Anyhow, a bridge connects one side to the other and you necessarily can't get from one side to the other. So if picture that bridge being burned, you can't get from one side to the other now. And that's what we're talking about in eliminating any possibility. And it's not that the thing behind you is bad. It's not to minimize that connection, that person, that place that thing. But it's just not what God has for you going forward. And, and sometimes it is bad. It causes us to be in a place we're not supposed to be in, or and which may be a bad thing. It causes us to make bad choices. But it also, it's bad if it causes us to be in a place that God doesn't have for us right now. Because we're not where we're supposed to be in God. We're out of position. We're out of place. And so just really was stirring in me. Actually, I had a totally different podcast for this morning. My editor can totally confirm that, had already recorded it, sent it out. And this has just really been stirring in me. And I texted him this morning and told him, hold off on that one, because I feel like God's really wanting to say something differently. And it's about Burning bridges. It's about being willing to lay it all down. Lay it all down if God asks you to. Are you willing to do that? Will you put it, will you burn it? And I'm going to give a few examples of where mighty men of God have been called to do this by God. And if you go to somebody today and you say, Well, you know, God's just telling me to lay all this down, walk away from it. Typically, the initial reaction will be, well, that's not God. Pastors will say, that's not God. But you know what? They didn't hear from God. You did. God spoke to you personally, and your obligation is to be obedient to God, not be obedient to man. Now, I would say, depending on the situation, put it back to prayer. But if you know that God is telling you, you cannot allow man to misdirect you. You'll not be in the position in the place God wants you to be. God wants to know, am I the one leading you? Am I the one guiding you? Am I the one you're honoring? And am I the one that you will obey? Will you allow me to burn those bridges? What about the relational bridges? everything you feel connected to. Like sometimes when we obey God and we know we're stepping away from a place, we're stepping away from a position, we hope it doesn't, but a lot of times it costs us all of the relationships connected to the place, connected to the thing. And God may restore them over time because maybe each person in the situation needed to go through some wilderness and some learning on their own and he brings them back around full circle. But other times those relationships are never connected back. And there's a purpose for it. There's just, there's different seasons to relationships. And then there's also God's bringing you in a different direction than he's bringing the other person in. It doesn't mean you're right and they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they're right and you're wrong. It's just now different paths. And we have to submit to God above all else. I think most of us are familiar with the story of Abraham, right? And I think We don't truly understand the drastic measure of what he had to do if he was going to be obedient to God. In Genesis chapter 12, he had to leave everything. He had to abandon his family. How well would that be received? He had to walk away from his father and everything he knew. And if you think about it, the disciples did too, right? If you think about it, Abraham was no different than the 12 disciples, the fishermen, right? What did did Jesus do with the fishermen? He walked up to them while they were fishing and was like, let's go. (laughs) You know, paraphrasing that, of course, come and follow me. I'll transform you into men who catch people for God. And it's like immediately they went. See, we don't do that now, right? If God tells us to launch out now, what do we do? We study, we analyze, we get statistics, we get branded, we, get, we put the word out before us, we clear the path before us, we prepare people, we have a launch date. It's all this planning. That's not what the fishermen did. They dropped everything immediately and followed Jesus. Why? Because he said. So if he's saying, I'm not saying those other things are wrong, but if God has told you to step out six months ago and you're still preparing your launch, you're still getting yourself branded, you're leaning on man, you're obeying God, but you're not doing it in God's timing. And you may miss God in that case. We have all missed God because we've been hesitant to obey or we've obeyed, but in our own way, not in God's way. What if Noah didn't build the ark to God's specifications? It's got to make you wonder, what if he obeyed God, but not all the way? Yeah, I'll build that ark, but I don't think that's right. I think I'll do this. I think I'll prepare over here. I'll do it my way. This is how somebody else said I should do it. No, he followed the details down to inches of what God said. That's how him and his family survived. But back to the disciples, it's immediately that went. At once, some of the translations, at once they left their boat. They left their fathers. They left, and that wasn't, that wasn't acceptable on that day. Like today, you know, a son and a father, they have very different professions. It's not a family business. Like if the son left the father back in the time of the disciples and Jesus, They were almost abandoning the family, even financially, because who was the business going to be handed down to now? So uh, some of these, there were two sons going, wasn't just one son, right? Uh, Jacob, excuse me, Jacob and John, they went together. Both of them left their father. I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. But they just knew the drawing was so strong that they knew at once they had to obey. It's, you know, you don't really connect the disciples with Abraham often. But this is a connection because now we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, where Abraham, God is talking to Abraham and he's saying, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. To a land that I will show you. I mean, you know, in, in one sense, you kind of have that today. It started up, it started back up again. People, you know, there's this RV living and people are doing this. They're getting in their RVs, they're going across the country and just, you know, randomly exploring and living life. So you kind of do have that now in one sense, but in a bigger picture. So, Abraham's married at this point. He has he has a wife. He has people he's responsible for. He has wealth actually. Right? He's a he's a he's a well-to-do person. He comes from a family with money. It's not like he doesn't have anything to leave. So, I'm married. If my husband comes in he's like, "Hey, we're selling everything." you know, maybe now, now that we're a little bit older, but we're just starting out. We don't even have children yet. We're in our early twenties. Like we have our whole future before us. We're newly married. Right. And, and he's saying, my husband's doing well, or we're both doing well, whatever. And, you know, we come to, a, from a well-to-do family and all of a sudden he comes in and he's like, we're leaving everything. Like, and let's, let's just, you know, not make it comfortable. We're going to a third world country. Right. So, okay how am I going to feel about that? Oh, and God said, so we need to do this. How am I going to feel about that? Whenever anybody talks about leaving financial security, everybody in their family in today's day and age is going to counsel against that. But if God says to do it, you must be obedient to God. The Bible tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. And I think sometimes People, instead of obeying, will sacrifice. Maybe their time, right? God's calling them to one thing. So they sign up for three things at church because they're trying to make themselves feel better. They're trying to fill that place of not being obedient to God. So back to the burning of the bridges, God is asking Abraham to burn a bridge here. He's wanting him to be sure that he doesn't have anything else to lean back on. Go to a land that I will show you. He's not even going to let Abraham know where he's going until he has left. And he gives him a promise with it. This command by God to Abraham to go and to forsake everything, to leave everything, to burn bridges, comes with promises. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. We know hindsight that that all happened, but those promises are connected to Abraham's obedience and willingness to forsake everything he's familiar with, everything he knew, because God God knew this. He could not do what he needed to do in Abraham and then for Abraham and then through Abraham if he remained in that place, if he remained. So Abraham knew this. It burned deep down in him. Now, we don't know what kind of inner battle he had about it, but he knew he had to go. He knew in order for those promises to come to pass, the things that God said to him, he knew he would have to go. And it was the obedience that connected the promise that activated, I guess is probably a better word, that activated the promises, put things in motion. So really, Abraham was really basically at a fork in the road of his life, right? God comes in and says, this is what I have for you. This is what I'm calling you to do. And this is what I have for you. And he knew it. He didn't go ask anybody. He didn't get anybody's opinion. He didn't seek approval or permission from anybody. He had it. It was from God, And I think sometimes we know, as much as Abraham knew, I have to leave, and I'm sure it wasn't easy. But he knew he had to go. And we've had things that we've had God speak to us. And we knew they weren't going to be easy. So we try to maybe do them in a different way. Or even we just put it off, because we know it's going to be costly. We try to avoid it, but we know it's going to be costly. Have there been times that, that you've been obedient, and you've headed down a path, but you did not burn that bridge and you reached back down the path. You reached back to the past, back to what was before. You try to remain in the new place, but you're reaching back to relationships, um, even maybe to a way of doing something. You're just, you're going, that to go back to what's comfortable is so enticing. That's why God wants the bridges burned. That's why he says in Isaiah, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. See, he's telling us first, we've got to not remember the old. We've not even got to consider it. Don't give it any thought because I'm doing a new thing, but I can't do the new thing if you're still in the old thing. Even if you've walked away in obedience, but yet your mind is back there. We've got to obey God in order for him to allow the new thing to spring forth and us to be able to perceive it. He's going to make, we, and a lot of times we won't do it because we can't see how it's going to be done. But he continues to say in Isaiah, I'm going to make a road even in the wilderness. Like it's hard to make a construction, right? Look, how long, when they start a road, look how long construction lasts. But God's like, I'll make a road in the wilderness. It won't even be a blink of an eye for me. I'll put a river in the desert. I'll do the unexpected. Don't try to analyze. Don't try to figure it all out. Just go and do what he said to go and do, how he said to go and do it. Don't analyze it. Don't try to figure it out. And don't bring in a bunch of man's opinions. Now, I'm not saying you ignore godly counsel. I believe in godly counsel. I believe there's wisdom to be passed down from the elder to the younger. The Bible tells us this. But most importantly, don't allow somebody to misguide or misdirect you. Don't allow somebody to tell you you've missed it from God. They didn't hear God. Just because it concerns them, they're going to tell you you're missing it from God. I bet there's people listening right now that can, can say I was told that. Don't let somebody misdirect you. If God's speaking one form of ministry to you, don't allow somebody to say, No, that's not it. This is your ministry over here. Now, maybe you need to go back to pray, or maybe you, but when I'm talking about when you know that you know that God has spoken to you. It's a burning down inside of you that won't let go, it's a flipping of the stomach. You know that God has said to do this thing. Don't allow others to come in and say, that's not God. God will most definitely do a stripping away at times and leave us bare of anything other than our relationship with him because he doesn't want us relying on anything other than him. I guess you could call that a wilderness moment, right? And so the only thing you have is to press into God and you come out on the other side of that empowered and equipped and stronger in the Lord, right? You know, like I think about the Shulamite woman in the Song of Solomon. She went into the wilderness in one condition. Everybody watched her go in. She came out of that wilderness after a a time, and this is just what it represents, after a time of intimacy with God, so unrecognizable that when she came out of this wilderness, people asked, Who is this coming up out of the wilderness? Those were the same people that watched her go in. So our time in the wilderness, stripped of everything we know, everyone we know, even our whole circles, our whole support system, sometimes the only circle that matters is us and God in the circle. Now, I believe in circles. I believe in fellowship. I believe in leaning on one another. Absolutely, 100%. But there are wilderness seasons that God will bring us through so that we know that God is the ultimate source. He's the ultimate one that we we trust in, we rely on, we lean on. And when he says go, we go. When he says leave, we leave, no matter what it's going to cost us. And the truth of the matter is sometimes you're in a place and God has to get you out of that place because those people you're connected with there just aren't going to go where you're going, where God's trying to bring you. It was the same thing with Abraham. Abraham, He was going to be, he was actually Abram at the time. He was going to be hindered from the fullness of his calling if he remained in Haran with his family. Just like us, sometimes God's calling us from a place, calling us from a thing or calling us away from people because if we remain in that place, we will be hindered from the fullness of our calling. So those bridges have to be burned at times, yes. One final biblical example I'm gonna use, it's in 1 Kings chapter 19 and it's with Elijah and Elisha. And you know, just to kind of back up on the story a little bit, Elijah has just gone through this whole process with Jezebel and he has, the drought has ended and he has escaped that situation, left that situation. And now Elijah is on his way. God has called him out of the cave, asked him, you know, what are you doing here? Because he wasn't actually, another example of it. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And God's calling him out of that place. And he's like, no, you gotta, you gotta go back. What are you doing here, Elijah? He says, and, um, that's in 1 Kings 19, verse 13. What are, you, what are you doing here? And, you know, Elijah goes on to defend his actions, which we do, of course. And so the Lord says to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. So he sends him on a path. And it's not just about the actual destination for Elijah. It's about the path. Because while he's on his way, if you jump down to verse 19. It says, so he departed from there. And then basically he was on his way. And he found the son. He found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. God will call you when God decides to call you. And are you going to go in a moment when God decides to call you? When he throws that mantle on you and he tells you, even leave all financial security Leave all relational security, leave everything you know, and there will be no turning back. Will you go? See, sometimes, honestly, we have to stop resting in other people's comfort zones. We are not doing what God called us to do. And we are resting in other people's comfort zones, even participating, even making a difference for the kingdom of God, but it's not what God has for us. So going back to Elisha, throws his mantle on him and Elijah leaves the oxen and runs after Elijah and says, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. Because Elisha was involved, he was working, he had his family and Elijah says to him, go go back again for what have I done to you? And so Elisha turned back from him And he took a yoke of oxen. I mean, he actually doesn't, he doesn't take the time, like right away he burns the bridge. He doesn't take the time that he he asks to go and kiss his mother and father, but instead he's slaughtering the oxen now, right? (laughs) I mean, he's basically, he's burning his provision is what he's doing. And don't miss the fact that Elisha had 12 oxen Okay, he was not a man in poverty. He was probably, again, like Abraham. He came from wealth. He came from financial stability and a family of wealth and financial stability. There was money there. There are just times when God asks us to be done with the former thing, to end a thing, to leave a thing, to go. And it doesn't mean we're stepping into this whole new amazing thing right away, but we will. Sometimes God's just asking you to walk away. Walk away from an assignment, walk away from a ministry, walk away from a relationship. Whatever it is, you have to be obedient to God. And in many ways, it it has to be as drastic as Elisha. He turns around in verse 21 and he takes a yoke of oxen and he slaughters them, he boils their flesh. And he uses the oxen's equipment. So he doesn't, he can't even go get new oxen now because he's going to use the equipment as his firewood, basically. He uses the oxen's equipment and he gives it to the people. He burns the oxen with his own equipment, the very two things that were his provision, and he gives the oxen to the people to eat. And then he arose and he followed Elijah and he became his servant. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to burn the bridges that need to be burned in our life. He's asking us to do those things. Leave everything behind and let me establish you going forward. Let me throw the mantle on you that belongs on you. And if you'll receive that, it's going to end the old thing. And it's going to plow a new path for you that I, God, will plow for you, not man. What are you going to do? Are you going to obey when God calls you to something extreme that you know will cost you? Or are you going to stay in the familia? I believe when you stay in the familiar for a season, God will make you uncomfortable and he will continue to stir you. It will just be this dissatisfaction inside of you. Eventually, he'll leave you there if you refuse and you refuse and you refuse. But... I want to challenge you to come to a place where you will say, no matter what it cost me, if it cost me everything, if I am standing here by myself, I will stand by myself, but I will be obedient to what God calls me to do. And I just want to encourage you, just because someone doesn't believe what you're telling them, God told you, just because they don't believe it, doesn't mean it isn't God. That doesn't mean that, right? I've heard over the years from just different pastors that I've gone to and I've shared, me and my husband together shared our heart. This is what God, this is where God's leading us. This is where we're going in the Lord, in obedience to God and have been directly told that's not God. And sometimes we've backed up to be honest and we've stayed in that place. But eventually, God just kept stirring and churning, stirring and churning, and wouldn't let us do it. Well, we had to go back and say, this is God. We have to obey. And then there's a severing of the relationship because there's discord there. It's not to say that one or the other is wrong, in, in, so to speak. I guess if one thing that my husband and I do not do is we do not tell people they have not heard from God. We may challenge them to go back and put it to prayer again, but I promise you, if you come and seek counsel from us and you're telling us that God said, there's nothing to discuss. If God has said, God has said. It doesn't matter what it seems like or what it looks like. He will provide. He will plow the path. He will bring the financial provision. He will put the plow in your hand. All of all of the above. This is for Sure. We can't always please God and man at the same time. Actually, most times it's one or the other. You cannot sit at both tables. You cannot sit at the man, the table man has set and man has established, versus the table that God has set for you and God is looking to establish. What God is saying should always trump man. I want to close this out today with this final scripture. And I want to challenge you, and I'm challenging myself to say the same thing that Peter and the other apostles were willing to say in Acts chapter 5. I mean, the apostles had been prisoned, imprisoned, falsely accused, and the captain and the officers go to Paul, or actually, I'm sorry, I think to Peter. Yes, Peter and the other apostles, the captain and the other officers go and get them, and they bring them again before the high priest, before the council, and they say to them, did we not strictly command you to not teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles, I'm in verse 29, answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So I want to encourage you and challenge you today to have that heart, to have that determination, to have that relentlessness. I am going to obey God rather than man and watch him push you forward in the fullness of your anointing and your calling. Be willing to burn those bridges.